As Pastor mentioned earlier, uh, this week I had the opportunity to be at camp, and there was a little bit over 100 uh, kids, 3rd through 6th grade. And so even that age and that grade is uh, quite eventful and quite fun. Some of our uh, workers went with us, and we're thankful for them, the great job they did. One thing I noticed at camp in about each age, and it ranged obviously with that age group as children there that took to camp, there was also teenagers involved as help, and there's also, don't worry, there was adults there. And uh, it's a matter that the adults were the staff. But one thing I noticed about each age group, no matter whether they were a child or a teenager or an adult, was this, is that it didn't take long to spend any time with any one of them to realize that they all had influences upon their life. And some of the things became very clear, and you'd pick up on it very quickly. The influences that they had, hopefully because of parents that they had, good influences there, or maybe not so good. Or, you know, there were some kids that were there that, you know, they had, their parents were not together any longer, or, and, and a variety of situations and circumstances. But I'm so thankful that each one of them were underneath the sound of the gospel. We had some children that got saved, and, and uh, not out of our church, but out of some other churches that were there, and children that went from our church made some decisions, and I'm thankful for that. And I looked at the children as they were there listening, and I'm glad for the kids that went. They seemed to be right there on the edge of the seat and taking notes and listening to the messages. So I know God was working on their heart, and I praise the Lord for that. But it doesn't take long for any of us to see influences in our life, and those influences come out of our own life because we've been influenced by other people. And I want to speak to you this morning, even from this passage of Scripture, that we have been influenced to influence. We have been influenced to influence. This passage, if you notice with me, if you would, if you jump back up to verse 16, and it has such a strong contrast with what is going on in these verses. But if you notice verse 16, Jesus is calling His disciples, and in verse 16, you'll, you'll see that He calls out Simon. It says, Now as He walked by the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon, and then He sees Andrew, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. I can't speak very much about being a fisherman because I'm not a good fisherman. But these men were. This is their livelihood. This is their occupation. And Jesus is calling to them. And in verse 17, would you please notice what he says? Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Ultimately, what is taking place here already from the beginning is Jesus is calling them to himself. He's saying, Guys, I want you to follow me. And it's very interesting, it says, come ye after. I don't know about you, but whenever I have tried to get ahead of Jesus, it always becomes an extreme mess. Is anyone else with me this morning? I don't know. I don't know. Am I the only one here this morning? I don't know what's going on. But uh, I've tried to get ahead of Jesus before, and, and I imagine that there's been times that you've tried to get ahead of Jesus before, but Jesus says, come ye after me, and to follow Jesus is, is important and critical. And Jesus is calling them to himself, and he's saying, hey, Andrew, hey, Simon, follow me. And they do, and they forsake their livelihood, and they follow Jesus in verse 18, and straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Verse 19, though, Jesus goes a little further, and he calls on himself James and John. And Jesus is providing a pattern here already. A pattern is being put out, and, and, he's, and he's placing an importance on the matter that a life can influence others. Now, this is Jesus, and I, I would say this to you this morning, as you well know, 
the greatest influence that we can possibly have is Jesus in our life. And I'm glad for what Jesus has done in my life. Paul, is, it's interesting, he says um, this, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, by the, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored and more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Amen. See, the best influence you and I can have is God's influence on our life, and it's because of God. Influence in our life is why we are, at, with anything that we are, whatever we are, it's because of Jesus in our life, not because of us. Go down to verse 21, if you would please, with me. And Jesus is going now into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. Jesus is teaching, and he's now in the synagogue, but please notice with me, as he get this, as he's in the synagogue, he is met with resistance. Here's a man in the synagogue. It's interesting how things play out in the Scripture and in the Word of God. I think it's good for us to take note of where they happen, how they happen, and what Jesus does with what happens. Please notice, and they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. Would you take note of this man with an unclean spirit? I find it very interesting that all of a sudden already, notice with me what he does, please, if you would. Verse 24 saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? I hope in your Bible, the Word of God, if you don't have one, it's one that we provided for you in the pew right in front of you. And I hope you'll follow along with us this morning. But I hope in your Bible you have a question mark there. Because a question mark is critical for you to see that it's a matter that this man is unclean spirit and he's crying out. He's got a loud voice about it. By the way, the loudest of voice doesn't mean it's the rightest of voice. But he's crying out. And he's questioning Jesus. What have I to do with thee? This man is looking at Jesus in a negative light. I wonder this morning, may I pause for a moment and, I, and may I ask myself even this, do I question what Jesus puts in my life? Because here's a man with an unclean spirit and, and all of a sudden already he's looking at Jesus in a negative light. I don't know about you, but there's times that I've heard people, and, and, and if we're not careful, this very much can creep into our life, we can blame Jesus for a lot of things that Jesus doesn't deserve to be blamed for at all. You know, here's this man, he has an unclean spirit, and he's looking at Jesus in a negative way, and he even says to Jesus, I mean, get this, he says to Jesus, art thou come to destroy us? Jesus did not come to destroy. What does he come? To give life. He didn't come to destroy. See, if we're not careful, we will ask ourselves this question, God, why did you put this in my life? God, Why'd you do this to me? It's almost as if we want to say, God, do you realize who I am? When really we're nobody. We're nothing. You and I are nothing special but by the grace of God Amen. and what God has done in our life. And we've got to be careful. It's better to have the questions. And by the way, I think this, if, if we're content with God, this guy was not content with him. But if we are content with God, the questions will change from, God, why did you put this in my life, to... God, what are you trying to teach me in my life? God, how can you be more revealed in my life? And by the way, it's easy to say that up here, but when we're in a hospital room, when we get the phone call, when we find out that something 
is very wrong with us physically. And it's a matter that Romans 8.28 is still true today, and I'm glad for that. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So here's a man with an unclean spirit, and he really wanted nothing to do with Jesus. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to be an influence on Jesus. No, it doesn't work out too well. Jesus has a greater influence on this man. And I'm glad for the condition that Jesus found us in, that Jesus has a greater influence on us and our lives. And I pray that you know that God has had a great impact in your life. If you have salvation as your own, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's nothing greater than to know that if something were to happen to me right now, that I'm on my way to heaven, that Jesus Christ is coming to my heart and I've trusted in Him for what He's done for me. Jesus didn't fall for this. Jesus actually changed His life. Jesus was the greater influence on this man. And by the way, let me repeat again if I can. The greatest influence on your and my life needs to be Jesus. and should be Jesus in our life. And each of us are face to face with all kinds of influences in our life. But we are always being influenced or influencing others. Whether we know it or not, you are. I am. See, the reality of our life is this present life, even up to this point, of this day and this, this hour and, and this minute and this second is actually the reality is we are who we are because of the influences that have come into our life and because of who we've allowed to have as influences in our life. The statement has been said this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Well, that's true. That's true. See, we are who we are because of the influences that have come our way and the influence is not just people. This man is trying to be an influence on Jesus. It didn't work out too well for him. Jesus rebukes him. I believe Jesus more than likely rebuked him gently, kindly, but he rebuked him. And influence is not just people in our life or friends that we have, but the best influence has got to be God. And God definitely places influences in our life. I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes 4.9. It says, two are better than one. I would agree with that. I'm, I'm uh, right now, my wife is out of town and I'm experiencing whether or not I was really asking my sons this morning whether I even matched. And I think I do. I'm pretty sure I do. But uh, I appreciate my wife and she's in town and we're working through meals and all that. But two are better than one because they have a good reward for their label, labor. Excuse me. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for if he have not another to help him up. Would you turn with me please to Hebrews 10. Influences are important in our life, and we have them. And God definitely places influences upon our life. And there's an influence here with this man. He's trying to get influence on Jesus, and Jesus has a greater influence on him. Hebrews 10, 24. Don't worry. We're not going to look at verse 25. It's just as good as verse 24, though. If any of you know what verse 25 says, you're here. I'm glad that you didn't forsake the assembling of yourself together today. Praise the Lord for that. By the way, it's always worth coming to church. You always can get something from it. Walk away with even one thing, you walked away with more than you came. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another, it says, to provoke. Now, if you're not careful, that word provoke, as, as when I read it, I thought something totally different. And it, it tells us where our mind is. But that word provoke means to spur on, to encourage, to incite to cheer, almost be like a cheerleader. 
if I may, to stir up. What are we to stir up? What are we to incite to other people? It says this, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. I wonder today, I, I hope that today I, I can think of people in my life, and I thought of, as I was studying for this, I thought of influences in my life, and I'm glad for the influences God has placed in my life. And I pray that I'm an influence to others in the way that God would have me to be. And I hope today that you can think of some people that have influenced you, and maybe in this moment even, you can think of some folks that, well, they've really been an influence on your life. Maybe they're still here on this earth, maybe they're gone on. But you know, it's a matter that we have influences in our life. All of us do. We can influence others. And someone today might be thinking, well, you don't understand the, the type of influences that I have. Can I tell you this? Can I encourage you with this? Then you change it. You be the influence. You be determined to be that someone else. And you can point people to Jesus. See, we all can point people to Jesus. We all can do that in some way or another. And we must be careful. I believe this, that one of the greatest problems in Christianity today is that we are so concerned about drawing people to people and not to the person of Jesus Christ. We've got to be careful. Christ's pattern through this chapter, if you would turn back with me please to verse 17 of Mark 1, is that Jesus influences their life. And he says, come after me. So you, you and I have been influenced to influence he says, I will make you, and I will make you to become fishers of men. I'm so glad that God continues to work on us. I'm so glad that God is the potter and we are the clay. I'm reminded of that verse on Isaiah 64, 8. And, but now, O Lord, thou art the Father, thou art our Father. We are the clay and thou art potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. I hope that verse is special to you. I find it very special to me. Our son Clay is named after that verse. Because there's a time in my life, at that time of our life, where our family was going through something very difficult that we felt was a challenge, but God was working. By the way, when you're in the midst of a challenge, God is still working. And God was working through our life, so, and, and in a way of that time, in that same time frame, our, my youngest son, as you know, I have three daughters, but uh, my youngest son was born. And my wife and I named him Clay after this verse. But, you know, Mark 1 says that Jesus says to these men, I will make you. God wants more than anything for us to be moldable and made into His image. For us to be pliable. For us to let Him do the work entire in our life. For us to submit to Him and, and to surrender and wholeheartedly do this. And He wants to shape us and form us because He's the potter. We are the clay. Can I tell you this morning, God is not done with you. God is not done with me. God has a purpose. God has a plan for whatever it is that's going on in your life. And it might be just between you and God. But God knows what you're facing and God knows what's taking place. We need to be confident of this very thing, Philippians 1, 6, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Say, preacher, you don't realize what I've done in my life. Well, be confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. No, you don't understand the sin I've committed. Wait a second. Be confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You say, you, you, you're having a problem, you're repeating yourself. No, it's on purpose. Because we, we must get this, that God has a good work and he's he is willing and ready to use us. He wants us to influence and he's been an influence in our life so that we will influence. 
And so if we've been influenced by Jesus, as we'll see in this passage of Scripture, then we are in influence, we are to influence others to Jesus. And so we all can point people to Jesus. This is something we all can do. And a true, godly, biblical influence for it to really take place in our life and the lives of others. Number one this morning, there must be an astonishment of His doctrine. An astonishment of His doctrine. If you look with me, verse 22, please. And they were astonished at His doctrine. For He taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. That word astonished means awestruck, amazed, shocked, blown away, surprised, wondered, baffled, captivated, fascinated, invigorated by. What are they astonished with? His doctrine? Can I ask you this morning, are you still astonished with His doctrine? Have you gotten over it? Does this matter to you? Do we love this book? Do we treasure it and cherish it? And are we all about it? You know where his doctrine is? This is a doctrine. This is his doctrine. Are you still at all? Does it shock you when you read something? You know what? That just spoke to me. And it's as if no one else is in the room. Because that just spoke to you, and it says, if God knew exactly what you needed to hear and what you needed to see and what you needed to read, the only way that it's happening is if you're in it. The statement has been said, it's a matter that this will keep us, this book will keep you from, from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. Astonished at his doctrine. See, Acts 17, 11, receive the word with all readiness of mind. That sounds good. That sounds astonishment. Searching the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. Searching the scriptures, and for this cause, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, also thank we God without ceasing, because when we receive the word of God, which ye have heard of us, ye have received it not as the word of men. No, 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 no. But as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually, effectually worketh also in you that believe. This morning, is it obvious that you've been in the Word of God? Is it obvious that I've been in the Word of God? Am I able to speak the things which become sound doctrine? Titus 2.1. Is there an influence with true doctrine? The influence of true doctrine is not going to be at all you coming up with your own doctrine, your own philosophy, your own thoughts, your own ideas, because we all do that easily. We got that figured out. That's mastered. We all have our opinions. No, we must go to the Word of God. This is where sound doctrine comes from. This is where the doctrine truly is. And an astonishment of God's doctrine. See, true influence is not only teaching others what you've learned about Christ, but it's living for Christ. And the only way that's going to happen is if you are astonished with the doctrine. I mean, awestruck. I mean, like in shock. shock. You know, I remember a time in my life as a child and as a young person where I, I, it almost like it clicked to me. It's almost as if I, man, now I love reading the Bible. Now I'm not being made to read the Bible. Now, now I... I I don't just have to read the Bible. I actually enjoy reading the Bible. Well, if you can get there, the sooner you get there, the better off your life will be. It's a good place to get to. The best place. We are to be ever learning and continuing our knowledge of truth. And it's not just to be a form of godliness. Any of us can do that. Any of us can have a facade. Any of us can pretend. Any of us can put on the suit and tie and look good. Here we go. Or dress, ladies. Any of that. 
But it's a continuous of things being learned about Christ. It's a conscious effort of being more and more like Jesus. And all that's going to happen is if I get into the doctrine, and if I'm all about the doctrine, I'm actually astonished. Wow! I've never seen it like that before. That is amazing. That's really what that means. I wonder how often do we talk about Scripture to others. Well, I, I'm convicted in this, this matter. Well, we talk about everything else. We've got everything else figured out. We'll check our news. We'll check our feeds. We'll check everything else. We'll come up with the story and want, want to express the latest thing that's happened. What's the latest thing that's happened in the Word of God in our life? So much so, I've got to share this with somebody. Man, I wonder if someone else see this verse. Oh, they got a Bible themselves. So they don't need to be showing this. Do you know how encouraging that would be? I can only imagine if a child came up to me and said, Hey, Brother Tyler, and this has happened a few times, and I'll tell you, it encouraged my heart deeply. Brother Tyler, I, I just read this verse, and this verse is really helping me. This, this is a verse I just memorized. That's good. That's great. That's the, that's the best thing that can take place. It's the idea of, of hearing what we read. And Joshua 1.8 says, This is the book of the law, shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. It takes an astonishment of God's doctrine. You know, it's an influence of His Word. I want to share with you something that uh, actually comes from this church and is someone that attends this church. And it took place during the week outside of church, outside of these walls. And it will remain anonymous, but it's a text that a friend of mine received. And I was so encouraged by it. I woke up this morning, the text goes like this, I woke up this morning and felt convicted to share with you I get it. God's infinite love and mercy and all the blessings He wants to give us, the way, the way we should carry ourselves in respect to Him and Jesus, because the world sees Him through us Christians. We are the only Bible some people in this world will ever read, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. You, you're getting it. This, this person, whew, it's good stuff right here. I'm sorry. Hope you get excited about this. Maybe I might. I hope I don't come Pentecostal up here. <laughs> Always loving God first. Reading and following the Bible. Being a Christian isn't just a thought or even just a state of mind. It's a complete way of faithful life. I get all of it now because God has completely awakened me. Some others that need to be awakened, I need to be awakened. Every time I think about it, I'm so happy, I can't help but tear up. Have you been there? Are you astonished with the doctrine? Have you ever gotten to the point where you just have the Scripture speak to you so much that it brings tears to your eyes? That you love the Bible that much? That you're not having to be told or asked to read the Bible? I really had to reflect on and forgive myself and others, and let myself out of the cage I had locked myself in. Are you getting this? He has used you and a few other true close friends to challenge and elevate me, and I'm so grateful. Thank you, and God bless. Now, that's a text, you, you get it, you're thinking, oh man, this is a book. And well, this text, that you're, you're thinking, as, as a text, it should be short and sweet. But I'll take a long one like that. When I can read it from someone else and see that they are so encouraged, that Brother Tyler, I've got to share this with you. I've got to show this text to you. Because you know what happened? Someone is so astonished at the doctrine that they're living it out 
throughout the week. They're at work. They're at play. They're, they're in and out about different places. They're traveling. They're doing things. But something is different about their life, so much so that this person was impacted in such a way that they provided a text that was a book. And praise God for the book text of this one. Because this is starting to take precedence in, in this person's life. And this is an astonishment of doctrine because it's not just a matter that, okay, man, I'm going to get excited about the Bible today. I'm going to, I, I got I to get in there. I got to in the Word of God. And there, there are days like that. All of us have them. But it's a matter that is so astonished at his doctrine that, man, I want to try this out. I'm actually going to live this today. I'm actually going to do my best to actually live the Scriptures because this is speaking to me. God provided this to me. And, boy, I want to be an influence on other people. The more about Jesus would I know, more of his grace to others show. It's the idea of what I hear and what I read in God's Word. I'm determined in my heart to live it out. I want to live according to the Scriptures, and I want to be an example to others. And the greatest impact any one of us can have as an influencer for Christ is based on what you have done with the doctrine and whether you're astonished. Because it's a matter that Ephesians 4.20 says, you have not so learned Christ. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. Can I ask you today, what kind of effort is being placed in your life to learn Christ and to be astonished at His doctrine and to get into the Word of God and to, to live it? And then secondly, this morning, if we're going to not only be an influence in a biblical, genuine, godly way, it's not only going to take place in our life through astonishment of His doctrine, but secondly, this morning, an amazement of His authority. An amazement of His authority. In Mark, it says this, in verse 27, and they were all amazed, and so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with what authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him? See, if we're amazed at his authority, then we're going to give God the rightful place in our life. See, this demonized man in verse 23 and verse 24, he was as lost as could be. And James 2, 19 says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. See, this demonic man was trying to give verification or testimony to Jesus of who Christ was. Only Christ can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And Jesus shuts it right down immediately and He says, Hold thy peace, in verse 25. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. Christ immediately rebukes the type language of someone trying to verify or give testimony to to who Christ is exactly. And one of the biggest reasons he rebukes this is because it's giving a false impression to others about the company that Jesus was even keeping. That tells me influence matters. That tells me that the Word of God is, is clear when it says not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And what concord hath Christ with Lyle? None. Proverbs 24, 1, Be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire be with them. For their hearts study its destruction, their lips talk of mischief. See, God never goes against His Word. And the greater we follow God's Word, the greater that people can follow His Word in us. I hope you got that this morning. That's important. That might be worth writing down. I don't know. But the greater we follow God's Word, the greater that people can follow His Word in us. In verse 27, it's amazing because they're amazed at His authority, so much so that this unclean spirit obeyed Jesus. Jesus is the greatest influence. 
So much so that a spirit can come out of this demonic man, and they are amazed by this. And by the way, our influence is to be stronger and better because we're to be bringing people to Jesus that all people can see is what Jesus' authority is in our life. And there's amazement of His authority on our own life, but actually an amazement from others that, wow, you know what I find really wild about this man is that even after Jesus rebuked him in verse 25, would you notice this please? He still tries one last attempt. Verse 26. He cries with a loud voice. I said this earlier, the loudest voice doesn't mean anything, and most of the times it isn't the right voice. We live in a world where the voices of agenda and wrong agendas are being pushed. And Jesus responds to this demonic influence, and He says, hold thy peace. Same kind of peace and be still, they sit on the waters. This word peace, hold thy peace, is talking about being muzzled as like a horse is to be muzzled. And you know, the older I get, the more I realize, some of us are getting really old this week. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. But the older I get, the more I realize that some of the most wisest people are the most quietest. But boy, when they speak, it's so worth listening. He that hath knowledge to spare his words, even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Verse 26, it's amazing that even this demonic man, and even though this was an attack versus Jesus in the spiritual realm, something has to happen. This man, verse 26, still has to submit to God's authority. He came out of him. Verse 26, do you see that with me? It says, and when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. When I ask you today, ask myself today, are you submitted to God's authority in your life? You don't understand how they are. You don't understand how they treat it. Oh, wait a second. God is a God of order and God lines up all authority. I always get a kick out of the teenagers who are trying to go up against their parents and then they join the military. What are they thinking? And with God's authority, you'll either submit now or later. And we are, we are to have an amazement of His authority because we put Him in first place. God's words and works, they go together every time. And when God has given the rightful authority in our life, we're, to, we're amazed at His authority. Then it should be as if John 3, 2. Would you turn there with me, please? John 3, 2. This is important for us to see. We're talking about being amazed of His authority. Are you astonished at His doctrine? Have you gotten over the Word of God? Have you gotten over the doctrine? Where the doctrine comes from and what, what the doctrine is? Are you astonished what Jesus has done in your life? Or are you just uh, mediocre? Uh, not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. Are you amazed at His authority? Does God have authority in your life? John 3, 2 says, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto Him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. See, when God has given the rightful authority in our life, we can be just like Jesus. And we can have people say, God is with that person. Boy, God's with that one. Boy, there's something different about that one. There's something about Jesus in their life. 
God is with him. With him. God is with her. Well, God, God really lives inside that person. There shouldn't be actually any question, any doubt. I wonder if that person's really saved or not. No, we should see Jesus. Because just as James 2 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe. In verse 20 it says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Amen. See, faith without works is dead. H.A. Ironside has said this way, If lips and life do not agree, the testimony will not amount to much. See, we reproduce what more we are than what we want. Well, there's power behind what he said. There's authority. They were amazed that he had a life that backed it up. That what took place, this demonic man, this unclean spirit, it's coming out of him. He's got a loud voice. He's crazy. But it, and, he's, and he's got that unclean spirit in him. He's demonic. It's well known. And then they get amazed at what Jesus did. And by the way, that influence, Jesus didn't allow that influence to be on his life. No, no, no. Jesus was a greater influence. I wonder today, are you and I bringing a greater influence to the world or is the world bringing a greater influence to us? It's important. There's a story of a group of handicapped children who had a strong desire to be able to go up to Yosemite National Park and after studying about its beauty and dreaming of someday being able to hike up the trail of Bridal Vale Falls to see the park's beauty. And one day a doctor, hearing of their desires, wanted to take them to this trail. Wanted to fulfill their dream and see it happen for these young people. And they went there, and as they began to climb the trail, it was very difficult for these young people. They were challenged already with the handicaps that they had, and it was very difficult, and they were just inching their way along, and, and with much challenge, just trying to get to the top of that mountain. On this same mountain was a basketball team from UCLA, and they ran past the children, running up the mountain, and it was part of their preparation for the upcoming basketball season, and and it's a matter that these are tall and physically fit and young men, and they're blowing right by these kids. The doctor with them saw what little hope that these kids had and how their faces just even showed disarray and discouragement and how they wished they could be like those men that just had blown by them. But the kids persisted on and even more slowly than before because they now were discouraged wondering if they could make it, because they just saw these guys go up. And wondering, if, well, they were like that, I, we're not like that, and I don't know if I can get up there. And about an hour later, the men came running back down. And instead of continuing to the bottom, each man picked up one of the handicapped children and put them on their back, and then ran all the way up to the top of the mountain. See, we as Christians are to be like those basketball players. And, and, and we think we're strong, and we think we're physically fit, and we think we got it all figured out. And we think we are able to just conquer this world by ourselves, and we are fooled, and we, we need to be influencing others, we need to be helping people, and we need to be lifting our arms and carrying a body to help them be able to bear the burden that they're bearing, and, and not careful, we're going to pass them right by. And we're going to get to the mountain, we got to the mountain on our own, but we need to go back down that mountain and see who can experience the view of what Jesus is like on top of that mountain and, and see what He's really like and what the Word of God really means. And we need desperately to see Christians' life that is real and that is astonished with the doctrine and is amazed as authority so much so that I'm going to take somebody with me and I'm going to influence somebody for Christ and I want to bring someone along. Oh, you can run quickly by. You can leave other people in the dust. You can talk about how sorry you feel for them. You can, you can say, man... 
I want to be like Christ, or you can be like Christ and care for them, and you can help them along the journey and get them to greater heights than they ever imagined, and you can actually bring an authentic Christian life of discipleship and biblical influence because you're astonished at the doctrine, and you're amazed at his authority, and you want to just talk about it and speak about it because you've been influenced to influence. And so if we're going to be the proper influence for God, we must influence by being astonished at doctrine, being amazed with authority, and lastly, be abroad with his name. See, if you know God, there ought to be great energy for God. If you know God. The difference of the man with an unclean spirit is negativity. The difference of all the other people that are amazed and astonished is that they're thinking, wow, this is such a positive thing that took place with Jesus. We are astonished, we are amazed, and now we're gonna, we can't help but talk about it. Now we're going to get his name abroad. Matter of fact, it says this in verse 28, And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. He's casting out devils, and they, they were so impressed by this and what Jesus had done with them. And I find this very humorous. The Bible has some funny things in it. If you haven't come across them yet, I'm going to share one with you right now here as we close out this morning. I find it very funny. Verse 43. Would you jump down there with me, please? There's all kinds of things Jesus is doing. Uh, the sick are going to be healed. There's going to be a leper healed. Jesus is preaching in Galilee. This is the same chapter of chapter 1, verse 43 and 45. And this all ties in together here with being amazed and, this, and his name being spread abroad. And his name is getting out. And look, have you heard what Jesus has done? Did you know what Jesus did? And so and so. And man, we can't help but tell you what Jesus has done in our life. And I hope you can't help but tell what Jesus has done in your life. I find it very funny. Verse 43, Jesus straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So Jesus says, don't tell anybody what happened to this leper that had just been healed. Don't tell anybody what took place. Verse 45, but he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Jesus didn't want, it might be Jesus calling, Jesus didn't want to create problems for the Jew who would follow him because of just the power to heal him. Jesus didn't want to create problems for the Romans who would think he was trying to overthrow the government. Jesus asked the people to be quiet, and they go ablazing the news abroad. I don't know about you, but maybe my humor is, is funny on this, but I just find that very humorous. I like what the black preacher in Texas said about this years ago. He said, the Lord told this leper not to tell anybody, and he told everybody. He tells us to tell everybody, and we tell nobody. See, the disobedience of this cleansed leper, he goes on to say, is not as bad as our disobedience today. We are to tell everybody, and we tell nobody. That speaks to me. See, the close of this book of Mark, you'll find a verse, verse 15 of chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. I'll say it to you here. But it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is God's plan. God's will for yours and my life is for spiritual reproduction to actively taking place in our life. And so we've been influenced. It's to be an influence. We've been influenced. Oh, we're being influenced. In all kinds of ways, but we've been influenced by Jesus. What we're talking about this morning, we are to influence others. 
And if we've been truly influenced by Jesus, we're going to be astonished at His doctrine like these people were. We're going to be amazed at His authority, and we're going to be abroad with His name. So when, I, so when you and I witness, we're going to take someone else with us to witness. So when you teach, you're going to help raise up another teacher. When you try to build someone and train them, you're going to help build someone else to train them. When you, you, uh, as you clean maybe a building, you train someone else to clean the building. As you lead, you train someone else to be a leader. As you sing or play an instrument, you train someone else to sing and play an instrument. As you preach, you train someone else how to preach. As you mother a, a child, you train someone else how to mother a child. Because spiritual apprenticeship is to be in action in every area of ministry and every area of our life. Spiritual apprenticeship. God's work is never to be done alone. A Christian should be with another Christian at, at all possible at all times. And so it should be two, three, four, not just someone by themselves. And we are to be training the next generation so that our Christian walk becomes their Christian walk. And even better yet, I love this, that their Christian walk becomes even stronger and better than our own Christian walk. Because I can guarantee you they're going to have more worse influences than what we have in the day and age that, that we're growing up in and that they're growing up in. And it's a matter that we want them to serve Jesus, and that God's will is to be glorified. And one of the ways is to be glorified is by multiplication. So one man, one lady to win another man, another lady. Those two men win, and, men, and men and ladies now win another two men and ladies. And these three men now win, and, and ladies win three men and three ladies. And do you realize that the whole world can be reached in the, with the gospel in 16 years? Sixteen years. The world would be evangelized and on its way to, to discipleship by multiplication if just we as Christians would take the influence that God has given to us. We are blessed with God's influence on our life if we truly were astonished at His doctrine. If we truly were amazed at His authority. We would be like these. They couldn't help but talk about it. They began to publish it. And they couldn't help but talk about Jesus. That's a good one to talk about. That's the best one to talk about because they had been so influenced, they were now willing to influence. I would say this morning, our world needs more godly, biblical, true, genuine, Christian influence. Christians that are astonished. Not just, oh, well, the Bible. Uh, no. Wow. I have the Bible for me to do something about it, to live it. Well, I'm amazed at your authority, God, in my life, and I want to give you the rightful place. I give you first. Seek ye first. Boy, I can't help but tell you what Jesus has done for me in my life, and let me tell you what he did for me this week, and let me tell you about a verse that I read. You're abroad with his name, and you can't help but talk about it. You're an influence, the best influence the greatest influence is when we take Jesus to others. All of us can point people to Christ.